Patty Corkery. Thanks for joining us on another episode of Credit Union's Coffee and Conversation. We have another great credit union leader lined up for you to listen to today. I am thrilled that I had an opportunity to sit down and chat with Michael Pullis, the president and CEO of Michigan First Credit Union. What's cool about my conversation with Michael is I captured a lot of industry knowledge from Michael and he is set to retire next month. So as you know, if you're a regular listener, I try and sit down with leaders um, as they're retiring so we can capture some of the highs and lows of their experience working in our community um, as they look back and just get their perspectives on being a leader and what it takes to lead and grow a credit union. So I really hope you enjoy my conversation with Michael. So Michigan First Credit Union's headquarters is in Lathrop Village, and they are over 1.4 billion in assets. They have approximately 190,000 members, about 500 employees, and they have several branches. So Michael goes into a lot of detail about his credit union and his journey um, throughout his career and also shed some light on what he's going to be doing in his retirement. So please enjoy my conversation with Michael Pullis. Thanks, Michael, so much for joining us on our podcast. Glad to be here. Yeah, well, I'm glad to be here sitting in your (laughs) office at Michigan First. (laughs) So I'm really excited to talk to you, Michael, especially, you know, I was reflecting on, I don't want to get choked up, but you're one of the first CEOs that I really started to work with when I started in my legal career over 20 years ago. And I remember meeting with you at your Puritan office and going up there, I think you were on the second floor and meeting in your office back there and um, starting our, our journey together in this credit union industry. And it's, it's you know, been a long relationship that we've had. And as we're, yeah, and as we're looking towards um, your retirement, which we'll get to, um, I was just really wanting to capture some of your insights being in this industry as long as you have and building such a successful credit union here at Michigan First. But before we dig into that, Michael, as you might know, I, I start off these um, conversations just asking for you to tell us your story. Well, when you get to the age that I am, okay, <laughs> it might exceed the length of the podcast, uh, but uh, abbreviated in the credit union world, um, you know, I was very fortunate that uh, I actually happened on the industry by chance. Uh, it was, I was actually working at the post office. I was a accounting supervisor, uh, essentially playing off what I le- uh, my degree in college and uh, my boss comes to me one day and he says, uh, are you interested in running the credit union? And I looked at him and said, what's a credit union? <laughs> yeah. And he said, well, it's pretty simple. He says, all you got to do is go to our quarterly dinners and make sure that you have a check ready, okay, to pay for the dinner, you know, and stop in a few times a day. And uh, because it was a type of credit union, very small, under a million dollars in assets, that if you wanted to borrow or take five bucks out of your account, we wrote you a check. Wow. So I just had to sign blank checks. That was my <laughs> that was my job. And, wow. and being the type of person that can't let something exist that doesn't work well, uh, I went in and I said, "Okay, I'll do this thing." And uh, but pretty soon we had cash drawers, 
and loaning money. We even did a couple of mortgages and everything else. It was just uh, a lot of fun. And I found out fairly quickly that I really loved doing that because uh, where I was working, you couldn't really help people. Okay, in the credit union, you could. Right. And people had needs. And what was nice about it was that uh, it really applied to every human being on the planet. Everybody has financial service needs. They have to right. figure this thing out yeah. called finance. And I had a background in it. I loved doing it. And it kind of combined the things that I was good at with the things that I really loved to do. Yeah, that's such a cool story. So that was out east somewhere. I, I was in East in Syracuse, New York. Right. Mm-hmm. And then how'd you, how, what brought you to Michigan? Well, I had, uh, I took, I finally uh, achieved a CEO position in Utica, New York, which was an hour east of Syracuse. Uh, it was, I think, 35 million at the time. And I've found in my career, I tend to get attracted to stuff that isn't working well. Okay. Rebuilds. And so that was in that kind of a a situation as well and spent nine years there and rebuilt that organization, decided the uh, 15 feet of snow a year wasn't uh, something I was really uh, in love with. Uh, So took a job in Florida, uh, massive culture clash, uh, massive. And so I left there after about a year and um, then ended up in Michigan Yeah, uh, for this particular job, actually. Right. So started off at Detroit as Detroit Teachers it Credit did. Union, and then you guys went through a name change when? In the early 2000s? April of 2021. No. We changed the name. Or, do, no, no it's 21. <laughs> Where am I? 2001. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, forget the last 20 years. <laughs> Senior moment. That's yeah, okay. For sure. I'll, I'll help you out I need to that. retire. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, so Detroit Teachers and um, and then grew from there. So what was the asset size of the credit union when you started, Michael? Uh, somewhere in the 275 range. Okay. So $275 million, and then now you're at, according to my research, one point, over $1.4 billion. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. And how many branches? We have 30. Okay, branches. 30 branches and close to 190,000 members. Right. Yeah, that's amazing. So what a journey you've had, and we're sitting in this beautiful office that you have here, <laughs> and I remember being here for the grand opening, and it was it was such an amazing um Time, you know, you're one of the first credit unions that I remember, you know, having such a large main office and really making it something that you all can grow into with a lot of really amazing spaces in here for your employees and your team. And mm-hmm. um, I think you were kind of the example for some of our credit unions when they were putting together their main office. So it's, it's a great spot. Um, so uh, I know it's announced, but just in case people listening don't realize um, when you're retiring, why don't you let us know? I will be officially retiring. My last day, it will be October 14th. Okay. And uh, that'll be 22 years of service here at Michigan First. And it's time. The organization is ready uh, for a transition. Uh, We have been working, actually, on the transition for about six years. Oh, wow. Uh, We hired uh, uh, someone by the name of Jennifer Barrowi four years ago uh, with the purpose and intention of training her to ultimately replace me and she has done remarkably well and is ready to to take on that challenge 
Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure you're paying attention. It just seems like more so than ever, we have so many retirements happening this year. There are year. a lot of them this year. Yeah. For whatever reason. Yeah. And so, and some <clears throat> credit unions have, you know, they're hiring with it from within, like you all are, and, and being really um, purposeful and, and finding and, and hiring somebody to um, get them ready. And then some credit unions, you know, going outside of Michigan and hiring new folks to their team. So mm-hmm. it's interesting to see that um, happening and, and what that means. And um, I, it, it must give your team some comfort with Jennifer just because it's not going to be a super surprise. You know, they've known her and gotten to know her and work with her so that must make the transition easier for your team as you exit out for sure it does and that was the whole purpose in fact the word that we used very early on working closely with our board was seamless okay yeah as best as you possibly can make it seamless and so we've structured the organization uh, in such a way so that it really doesn't depend upon one person yeah. Uh, and so when one person leaves, even if it's in the CEO position, which, by the way, I'm the only the sixth CEO in 96 years wow. here. So Jennifer will be number seven. Okay. Uh, but we've we've structured it to um, essentially move out. Yeah. In and then somebody else moves in and the place keeps running. Yeah. I don't know if I'm thinking of a board chair. I know that's a woman here, but is she Jennifer gonna be the first woman or did you have a woman CEO before? Well Linda Height is yeah. our is our board chair. Right. Um and as far as the first woman, we actually don't look at it that way. Right. In fact she'll she'll she will tell you, nope, we don't look at it that way. Right. It's just about being the CEO. Yeah. Being a great CEO doesn't because all that other stuff really doesn't matter to yeah. us. Yeah. Well, that's exciting. Exciting time for her. I'm anxious to um, continue to work with her as, mm-hmm. as you um, move on and, and, you know, connect with her from the league standpoint. But um, so, Michael, I'm sure I would imagine when you get to this phase, you start to kind of look back and um, think about some of the highs and lows um, of your career. And if you haven't thought about that, I'm going to ask you to mm-hmm. and kind of share with us anything. You know, we can start with some of the highs, you know, one you came to Michigan and started working here, you know, as you look back, what were some of the high points of your career? Oh gosh, there are, there are, honestly, there are so many. Yeah. Um, but I think if we want to take it in chunks, I would say the first and the most important one for me is that we changed the direction of the credit union for the members. Okay. When I came to the organization, it had become essentially an employee-centric organization versus a member-centric organization. Okay. Um, it was really about you know what the employees felt like doing or didn't feel like doing. Okay. Uh, it was in a rut. Okay, and we changed that mindset, and that was really important. Uh, fast forward X number of years later. I mean, let's put it this way: when I came, it wasn't unusual to wait in the teller line 25, 30 minutes on a normal day, let alone payday. Payday, they were out the door and around the, uh, you know, down the street. Um, Now we have an around the clock uh, call center. Okay. We never close. Uh, We have 80 plus uh, ATMs. We've been doing envelope less deposits uh, since 2004. Yeah. Uh, so there's a ton of technology and availability that they have. So that's honestly the biggest high. Uh, the second biggest high is probably uh, what we have done uh, for the lives of our team members. Uh, it was a very challenging organization uh, to work in before. Uh, now I think we had a little over 100 people when I came. Uh, now we've got 500, 500 uh, yeah. or so. So 
lot of people. Uh, we have built up a, a fabulous training team uh, and development organizations very much committed to training and development. So uh, those are all wonderful highs, you know, that we can see. Uh, lots of new buildings, lots of new branches and yeah. things like that. But it's really about the people, the members, and ultimately the staff. Yeah, absolutely. I know just in working with your team on various issues throughout the years, you know, when I was practicing law, I, it was really through your credit union that I met Rex Johnson oh, yeah. and his whole um, <clears throat> philosophy on lending. Mm -hmm. And I think you really introduced me to, you know, uh, finding and lending to people um, that need it and supporting your actual members. Mm -hmm. And so our members might be, you know, in certain pockets, you know, the D paper that other people avoid or, you know, the C paper. I know you have all levels, but you have certain pockets where, you know, it's lower income and membership. And I learned from you, um, your philosophy on finding ways to lend to folks like that and not just sticking to the credit score and getting a holistic picture of the member. And, um, I really learned that through you and through the Rex Johnson philosophy. And, um, I found that to be, um, you know, really key, um, to the credit union spirit of, of working for your members and who your members are. So, um, that's one of the things that I take away in, in working with you and your team, um, and something that, um, you really never back down from. No, because, uh, what is the purpose of the credit union? Yeah. And I learned a long time ago. In fact, Rex Johnson was the one that taught me this. Uh, he stood in from a training class when we were in Syracuse, New York, and I think, or Syracuse or Utica, Utica, New York. And he had two flip charts. And on one flip chart, he asked everybody to describe what is it that members want. And then on the other flip chart, he said, what do regulators want? And he, he says, now look at these two. They're diametrically opposed to one another. He said, you have to decide who you're going to serve. You're going to serve the members or you're going to serve the regulators. Right. And I knew which one. That was an easy choice. Yeah. He said, And he said, if you serve the members, you're going to get grief from the regulators from time to time. And but you're going to have to put up with it in order to serve the members. Um, and that's the choice that we have made all along right. the way. And there have been times... You know, we've had our moments yeah. with them, <laughs> yeah. but uh, at the end of the day, it's really about serving the people who own the credit union. Yeah, um, not everybody who who is DRE paper, okay, is a bad risk. In fact, right. most of the members who are DE paper are really good risks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you just price the loans appropriately, but they still get the opportunity as well as uh, some guidance on how do I improve my credit score? Right. So the next one doesn't cost as much. Absolutely. So what about some of the lows? What have been some of the hard times as you look back um, on your career um, leading a team? I think the, um, oh gosh, there haven't been too many. Um, when you're fighting with, let's say, regulators to serve members well, yeah. I don't consider those to be lows. Okay. They're tough times, but they're, but, they're, <laughs> they're, but they're challenges right. and difficulties. I think there have been uh, some times of, of disappointment when uh, things weren't, the culture wasn't shifting as fast as it needed to shift in order to serve our members well. We yeah. got there, uh, but it probably didn't move as fast as I would have liked it to uh, early on in particular. Uh, I would say we were blessed along the way uh, that 
that our board of directors uh, figured out this governance thing really, really well. Yeah. Okay. They know what lane they're in. They know what lane my my team is in. And we stay out of everybody's lane. Right. Okay. And we partner and work with each other. So it's worked incredibly well. Um, but I say Lowe's, outside of the regulators, um, <laughs> you know. Did you mention regulators? <laughs> Did I mention regulators? No, I would say, I would say, let me just say one comment about regulators. <laughs> okay. okay. I'll just say one. As okay. you're exiting, it's, it's free game. The vast <laughs> majority of regulators, they're just trying to do a really good job. Sure. You know, they work with what they have. And frankly, our style of business was not something that many of our regulators were used to. They're not seeing it. And, and, yeah. and their general response to that was, it, it's got to be negative because right. it's outside the mainstream. Yeah. Uh, I would contend today that probably there are more credit unions doing what we're doing. Okay. Then certainly there were 10 years ago. Uh, and uh, that's one thing that we've never been afraid to do is, is uh, just do what we think is the right thing to do. Even if we look around and nobody else is doing it, we're still good with that. Yeah. Well, as I look back as a member here for years, um, you mentioned already um, the envelope-less ATM deposits. And um, I just remember using the chat feature quite a while ago. Uh, Mm -hmm. You logging in and being able to chat with somebody on your team um, was so cool. I think that might have been the first time that I opened up a chat box and, and mm-hmm. communicated with somebody. Um, and I thought it was so awesome. What are some of the technology, you know, we just mentioned that technology advancements that you're most proud of as you look back at what you brought in for your members? Well, uh, besides the ATM machines that uh, not only do you deposit cash and bills and have since 2004, uh, but you can, if you put the Michigan First card in our ATMs, you get a whole different menu options okay. than if you put in, let's say, a Bank of America card. Okay. okay. So we give our members the ability to do a lot more things. You can change your PIN at the ATM, uh, for example. Uh, we have cardless uh, ATM transactions now. Uh, we have our own mobile app developers. Right. So we don't depend upon a third party for the features and functionality that we want. Uh, we have uh, coin machines in all of our lobbies, and they're not the type of coin machines where you have to take a piece of paper over the teller line to get your money. These get deposited directly right. into your account. Same thing since 2004. We've had all of that. Um, yeah, my daughter loved bringing all of her change here. Oh, they bring <laughs> buckets and buckets yeah. and buckets. We, I think it, over the course of a year, we probably will be somewhere in the vicinity of 50 to 60 million coins. Yeah. Okay. That go through our machines. <laughs> That's uh, crazy. It, it, but again, members needed. Yeah. It's always been about, you know, what kinds of things can we do to make the members' lives better? Right. And you're one of the first credit unions that I know of having their own internal team to look at member data, to look at data. Yep. And now that's, and it's been a big topic for us for a while. Credit unions really trying to understand, you know, what the data that they already have on their members. How, how would you describe that team and that division to folks listening? Well, it was a it was a few years back that we put together uh, a data team, and we actually uh, had the leader be a chief level person. Okay. Okay, and that was important for us because we recognized that how important data is to the organization. We didn't want it submerged in some other department or team. Uh, 
And it's working out really, really well. Our, our challenge, like anybody else, is finding enough people to staff it, yeah. you know, and, and program. But uh, uh, one of the things that I committed to probably four or five years ago, I said, before I leave, I want this to be a data-driven organization. And now they talk data all the time, yeah. you know. Our branch manager said, hey, can I put that out there on, you know, can we track it this way and track it that way? And uh, uh, so we've made a lot of strides in, in that area. We use a, a program called Click, Q-L-I-K, okay. uh, that allows us to not have to use a data warehouse. Essentially, it is the data warehouse hmm. plus displays, uh, all the data and we have our own programmers for that as well yeah and talking about it you know at a conference last week we had our um, executive summit and one of the topics that came up is you know credit unions desire to grow members you know to get more members and the facilitator really challenged the audience to think about yeah i'm all about growing members but how about your current members and have you exhausted the products and services that you can rally behind with your current members um and just try to you know remind folks to draw back in and, and maybe if you feel the answer is no spend 25 percent of your time on new but 75 percent on growing new what are your thoughts on that um, they're about right. Yeah. Okay. In terms of that, uh, members that are more comfortable with us will obviously do more because they've already kind of tested the waters and know we're, we're okay. Uh, we get a lot of member referrals for new members. Yeah. Okay. And that's always good. But, uh, you know, COVID kind of hurt. Yeah. A lot of that because I think a lot of our members uh, stopped coming to the branch or they reduced their amount of uh, uh, involvement. Okay. So we had less and less opportunities, even though I would say we're probably the credit union in the state with the most foot traffic. Yeah. What do you I think? I would just say. I've heard some pretty low percentages as people look um, back to see what percentage of their members actually comes into the branch. Do you know what that is here offhand? <sighs> yeah. I, I don't know off the yeah. top of my head, but I would. Dare say it's really high. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you still have a lot of folks coming. And, and obviously, this building, the main office, being the lobby, uh, the where our ATMs and coin machines sure. are, is open all weekend long. Uh, in fact, it's all. It never closes. Let's yeah. put it that way. Uh, I was here this weekend, and I would say when I came on Saturday, there were probably thirty cars in the parking lot. You know, members just coming in doing business with that. And, uh, uh, I mean, we got four ATMs inside. We got four ATMs in our drive-through. Okay. And there's generally lines of both. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit just about your leadership style and kind of get into some recommendations or thoughts that you have for some of our up and coming um, sure. leaders. So how, how would you describe your leadership style as you look at? Well, it's very collaborative. Uh, first and foremost, one of the things that uh, for any leadership style to be effective, you have to have a really solid, well-defined and structured culture. And we do here, you know, we call it the Michigan first way. And, uh, it's, it's centered around the type of leadership that is servant, uh, minded. Uh, for example, the first quality that we look for in our leaders is a healthy dose of personal humility. Okay. You know, understanding that we are not in leadership positions to be served. We are here to serve others. And when you think of an entire organization and we've got hundred or so leaders here, uh, all looking out to serve other people. Okay. It's a pretty remarkable thing to watch. Yeah. Okay. Actually, because, uh, egos don't make it. So I would say to anybody that, that is new and upcoming is, uh, first of all, excel at what you do. Uh, 
no one's going to put you in a position where uh, thinking you might do better than you did at the last one. Uh, so certainly excel. Uh, absorb, be a sponge, you know, learn. You can learn as much from, from the bad examples around you as, as the positive examples. So just watch and observe. Uh, always be professional in everything that you do. Uh, in the world of social media, I would say stay off of it. Yeah. Okay, particularly because the uh, it's amazing to me probably how many people don't get positions because of what they've said on social media. They got monitored somewhere along the way or seen, okay, and somebody won't take a chance, you know, with them. It happens, yeah, it you does. know, in, in the real world. So stay off of that, okay? <laughs> uh, keep your opinions uh, to yourself in that regard. Sure. But, um, but be professional. Uh, work incredibly hard. Uh, absorb, and then be willing to take a risk and a chance. Uh, leadership is not easy. Leadership demands more of your time and your energy, and you have to be prepared to give it, um, especially early on as, as you're entering into uh, that phase of your career. Um, I would say, um, I think that's probably the essence uh, yeah, I would say the essence of yeah. what you need. That's some great advice. To, to do it. And I know you work a lot. I remember getting some late emails and early morning emails yeah. from you. Um, we do not watch the clock or the calendar. Yeah. It is whatever is needed is needed. Right, 100%. So I know you spend, you know, as we just talked about, a lot of time. How do you find time or make time to be strategic as you're leading an organization? Uh, you actually don't find time to be strategic. You just become strategic in your thinking. Literally every decision that you make, every way you're looking at things, you can include the element, okay, of the unintended consequences. What could go wrong here? Okay, how will this look two years down the road, three years down the road, based on everything that we know now? Um, the concept of precedent, uh, what you do once people are going to expect another time. Right. Uh, all of that comes into play when you're, when you're talking about being strategic. Uh, in fact, we were talking the other day, we, we don't even call our strategic planning sessions, strategic planning sessions. We actually call it strategic reflection okay. sessions because it's just a pause, a moment in time when we actually have more hours to sit back and say, how are we really doing? Right. Because we're planning and doing that strategic thing all the time. Right. But uh, it's just becomes part of who you are, yeah. you know, as an organization. And that just comes with experience. Yeah. I love that idea. Strategic reflection. Is that what you said? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a great idea. Because um, as you said, you're kind of planning all along or living that. And then you're just trying to pause. And I think that's exactly <laughs> look back at where we've come, where are we going? And that's a great idea. Yeah, um, I, I'll say this. We, we've got things planned out for next year already, okay, that we haven't even discussed with the board yet. Yeah. That moment in time when we get a chance to, to reflect and then have discussions with our board, that's the moment when we'll solidify it. But we're already planning and yeah. things that we're going to do. So I know we talked a little bit about Jennifer, but just kind of the leaders here in general. I know you mentioned mm -hmm. you have around 100 folks. Um, how do you develop them? How do you um, put the time in to develop them so they're ready to lead teams? Nine years ago, 
we put into place what we call our Leadership Academy. Uh, we built a three-year three program based around essentially three areas. One was uh, leadership theory and practices. The second is communication. And the third is technology. Uh, we do all the leadership training and development uh, for the team members. We put them through legal training classes. We put them through finance classes. We put them through business writing classes. Word, Excel, PowerPoint, they have to pass that as well. Uh, we have a Toastmasters-like uh, program here that they have to participate in and do so many speeches and communications. Uh, we teach them about project management. We teach them about metric-driven thinking. Uh, oh, there's a whole ton of things. Wow. Oh, and then we include an experiential learning experience, and uh, we take them to Gettysburg for a uh, three-day session of leadership learning training on the battlefield. Oh, that's so uh, cool. In fact, we have a team there right, right today for three days. I remember you telling uh, me about that a while ago. I love how you really um, embrace other industries. I know, I think you've had some folks from Disney come. Mm -hmm. I think you went out and toured Zappos, you know, way back in the day and yep. really kind of harnessing some of that non-credit union industry expertise, um, which is something that, you know, um, I think is really a, a great thing to do, um, getting outside of our bubble because um, a lot of people have some pretty good ideas. So that's cool. And we partnered actually with Ritz-Carlton, partnered specifically to develop what we call the Michigan First Way, our culture, right. you know, and, and who can argue with Ritz-Carlton's yeah, success? No doubt. You well, know, I think that's part of it where, I think we talked about this, where if you stay at the Ritz, you know, back in the day, they would track and remember what mm -hmm. newspaper you liked, mm -hmm. what you liked as a guest, and then they fine-tune your experience to that. And I think that, I know that's just a, a brief snippet of what you're talking about, but you kind of pay attention to members in that way and know what they, you know, want or need. You do. Yeah, that was you very much do. Um, so, oh, go ahead. Well, one of the things that I've learned in my career is, and this is going to sound bad, I don't want it to sound bad at all, but um, we don't really um, have that total credit union thinking. Obviously, the part of credit union thinking that says we passionately care about our members right. and so forth. Mm -hmm. But our best ideas come from out in the world, yeah. you know, in other businesses and in other industries. And we've never been afraid to be different from the rest of the credit union space if it makes sense to us and it's valuable for our members. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I think that... Uh, if I was going to give advice to, you know, somebody else new coming into the industry or, or coming up in it is you got to get outside of it because our best ideas, you know, are oftentimes someplace else. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so before I get into the five questions that I ask everybody at the end, but what's next? So mid-October, you're out of here. Uh, mm -hmm. What's your plan? Well, my wife and I, uh, we've already bought a house in uh Southern Virginia, so we'll be moving down there. Uh, that's where most of her family is living, and uh, they're great people. So looking forward to that. Uh, don't really know. I've been getting up and going to work for about 50 years straight, <laughs> yeah. so I don't really know what it would feel like to not do that, but I'll bet it would feel pretty good. I know. You're uh, going to find out. In that regard. But uh, one of the things that I have... Um, passionately believed my entire career in the credit union world is that I am just a steward. My responsibility is just to take care of something for a while. Right. Okay. And that while is about to come to a close and to make sure that uh, you leave it a lot better than you got it. 
and I think we've done that, and then to hand it off in such a way that uh, going forward they'll be positioned even for more success. And we've been working the last six years on that. So I think we're in a good spot, okay, to do that, and uh, I'll still come back and visit, though. Yeah, you'll check it out. Sure. Well, you can get online and bank that way. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so um, what is on your nightstand at home? Well, uh, you don't want to know everything that's on the nightstand <laughs> okay, at home. maybe not. <laughs> but, but all that being said, uh, what I'm reading right now is uh, I'm reading The Hunger Games. Mm. Of course, we've all seen the movies yeah. and so forth. And many times I'll have read a book and then I'll watch the movie. But in this case, I've seen the movies and now I'm going to go back and read the book. They're so, so good. Yeah, there's a lot more in the book actually oh, yeah. than there is in the in the movie. So that For was sure. actually exciting to see. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. All right, reading the Hunger Games, love it. Um, so, what is something that people get wrong about you, Michael? Uh, it's going to sound a little weird, okay. okay? But I don't look like your typical CEO. Okay. There's a lot of CEOs, particularly that are men, mm-hmm. that are that are taller. They wear suits. Uh-huh. Okay, they look the impressive part. There have been more than one occasion where we've been in a, in a room full of leaders, and it took the people a while to figure out who the CEO was, <laughs> which is okay with me uh-huh. because I don't need to be a front and center, right? Okay, but they sometimes get that wrong. Okay, you know, which is that's okay. That is okay. All right. So if you could have coffee with anyone, who would it be and why? That's an easy one. Weird Al Yankovic. <laughs> why? <laughs> I love his music. I love what he does. I love the fact that he has made a ton of money, okay, just changing the words to, to songs that we already knew. Uh, and I, in fact, I would say this, whenever I hear one of his songs, the, the real version, uh-huh. I'm hearing his lyrics, his you know, lyrics. in my mind. But I, I would love, I think he's he's got to be a really fascinating guy. Oh, that's funny. All so, right. I would, I would so. pay good money to hear that conversation. <laughs> um, okay. So tell us a bucket list travel destination. Where are you off to? I grew up in the state of Wyoming. I was born and raised in, uh, actually, I was born at an Air Force base in southern Wyoming. Then we lived in a small town in northern Wyoming, about 5,000 people in the middle of nowhere. And I uh, would like to take my wife, yeah. you know, on an extended trip and just kind of go back through the West and see if I re- it is as I remember it. Yeah. You know? I don't know. I wonder, were you in a small, was it a small it's town? Very, very small town. 5,000 people. In fact, there's 5,000 people still there. Is the base still open? Uh, well, the base is in Southern oh, okay. Wyoming. Uh, but yeah, I think it is still open. It wow. was Warren Air Force Base. Wow. Very cool. Uh, so well, I'd, I'd love to be able to take my wife back there and just, Explore. Yeah, very cool. Well, let me know if you get back there and report back. I will. Send you pictures. (laughs) Okay. All right. So you covered this a bit, so maybe you've answered this one already, but just in case, um, what is one trait or quality that every leader should strive for? Humility. Yeah. uh, You got to get your head straight about who's serving who. Uh, I have seen ego kill more uh, leaders success than anything at all yeah. when they and we, we, none of us likes to work for somebody that has an ego right okay but somebody that we know is actually looking out for our best interests okay we'll run through walls for them sure and uh it's a, it's an easy thing to say it's a harder thing to to practice yeah absolutely i think that's great advice well michael it was great to sit down and chat with you and for those listening to get to know you a bit better and um i certainly have enjoyed 
Starting off my career, I think we started right around the same time because it's been 22 years that I've been in the industry too, um, here with you. And um, I've really valued um, our connection and all that I've learned from you as a leader and watching your team grow and the credit union grow. It's it's really been cool to be a part of and I'm glad that I was. And so um, maybe change your philosophy on social media, get on Facebook, start <laughs> posting once you're out of here so I can keep up with what you're doing. And um, I look forward to, to staying in touch and I just wish you the best in this next part of your journey. Likewise. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Michael. Well, a big thank you to Michael for taking the time to join me in that conversation. I really enjoyed not only catching up with an old friend, but also um, sharing with you um, some of the things that Michael has learned and picked up along the way. Um, I really appreciate that one of his, the quality that he thinks every leader should strive for is humility. I um, agree. I think that he does a great job explaining why that's important. Um, I also loved hearing about his servant leadership style and how he developed and changed the culture at Michigan First when he started um, over 20 years ago and how important that was for him. We covered so many topics, including data and learning from folks outside of our industry and how he really leads and engages his team. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you learned a lot of things about Michael. And as for Michael himself, I hope he makes it back home to Wyoming and him and his lovely wife Shirley get to spend some time there. And I truly hope he enjoys the next phase of his life. And a big shout out to him for all of the years um, that I've worked with him in the industry and learned some things from him along the way. So thanks, Michael, for joining. And for those of you that haven't followed the podcast, make sure that you do follow it. So that way you get news when new episodes drop. And again, uh, really appreciate you joining us. And I hope you enjoyed my conversation. Have a great day. <laughs>